Well, Aloha Mission Church. I have a message for our children today. Children, you're going to stay in the service, okay? It's going to be an amazing day today, full of so much celebration that uh, you will not be able to contain your excitement, children. I believe it. <laughs> so you're going to have to stay in today because today we are celebrating so many things. I mean, right now, my mind is just spinning a thousand miles an hour because of all of the amazing things that are happening today. Today we have people outside where we're, uh, we have a blood drive. And uh, if you have not uh, signed up today but you would like to give, um, please just go after the service and not during the service. Go after the service and, uh, and, and sign up because every pint of blood that's collected can save up to three people's lives. And... What, what better way to be Christ-like than to give of yourselves that others may live? And I think, you know, giving blood is one of the most beautifully Christ-like things we can do. So I encourage those of that can, um, please join us for that. And then we just inducted uh, brand new members into the life of the church, which is such a beautiful thing uh, for the church. We celebrate when people say, I want to partner with this church and, and build the kingdom of God through the people who are gathered here today. That is so exciting. And then today, we are going to celebrate two sacraments in the life of our church. In a moment, we're going to take communion, and then we're going to baptize people. So I have two short sermons, one to prepare us to receive the communion elements, and the other for baptism. And for all of that, it is great, great, great reason to celebrate because God truly is working here at Mission Church. And as your pastor, I just want you to know I'm so excited about what God is doing. And I pray that you are as well. So we're, con we're continuing in our sermon series called Our Ecclesiology. And what I want to do is take the opportunity to talk about ecclesiology, which is the theology of the church. We spent January till April talking about Christology and, and, and getting deep and understanding the theology of Jesus in my life. And through the theology of Jesus in my life comes forth our theology of the church. How do we live as the church? Because the church is not a building, and it's not even an organization. The church is people. It's made up of you and of me, and we are a living organism as the church. And if the church is healthy, it grows naturally. And so we've been talking about all of the things that help us to understand what the church is. But then there are some things about the church that we do that I feel like if we're not if we don't understand it, then, then it's, it's done in vain. And one of the things is our sacraments, right? What, what is communion all about? And in a moment, we're going to baptize some people. What is that all about? So today, my sermon is entitled, The Church and Sacraments. Why do we have these two sacraments of, of communion and, and baptism? Because I want you to know that they are so important in the church. And it is significant for each one of us to understand this so that when we participate in it, we participate in it fully aware of what we're doing, what it means, how it impacts us and impacts the world. Because if you don't understand it, 
then, then it's not received in the way that it should be. So I want to begin by talking about the two sacraments and, and you sharing with you the word sacrament and where that comes from. That word sacrament comes from the Latin word sacramentum. And sacramentum has two references to it. The first one refers to being of a symbol or, a, a, or an image or, or a sign. Okay, so sacramentum has, has a symbol attached to it or a sign. The second reference to sacramentum is that there is an oath that's connected to it or a pledge connected to the word sacramentum. And so when we talk about sacraments then, in it is a symbol and a pledge. That's the basic basic understanding of a sacrament. And when we look out into the world, believe it or not, we don't often refer to some of these things as sacraments, but there are a ton of secular sacraments that fit this description very, very well, right? There's a symbol attached to an oath or a pledge. And I'm going to show you a few, just as an example, of secular sacraments in the world. So here's one. Old glory, the flag, right? This is a symbol of our country. And I could put any, any country's flag up there, right? It could be Brazil, or it could be... Canada or Peru. (laughs) And it will be a sacrament because it is a symbol. And with that symbol comes all kinds of this. It's symbolic of the 50 stars of our 50 states. And then the the stripes, uh, the 13 stripes are the colonies that began our country. So you understand, but through it all, there's so much more meaning and depth to it. A couple of months ago, um, we had a retirement ceremony for one of the ladies in our church. Rochelle, help me with her name. Yes. Terry Linder, thank you. Terry Linder had a retirement ceremony here in our church. And in the retirement ceremony, there's this uh, a ceremony where they unfurl the flag and, and, and then fold it back up and present it to the person that's retiring. And there's a script that's read about all of the things that are represented in the flag. And it was so moving, right? I mean, it was amazing. And so this flag is a sign and a symbol. It holds uh, words like freedom and liberty for many people. And we're blessed to be uh, citizens of America. I am. And from that, there is a pledge that goes with it, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And children recite it in, in, in uh, elementary school. I remember doing it as a child. And new citizens that come into our country recite the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And so this is a beautiful example of a secular sacrament, just so you know. I'm trying to help you understand it. I'll show you a couple more. This one here. Right. It's kind of funny, right? But don't you think that in the definition that I gave you (laughs) of a sacrament where there's a symbol connected to a pledge, right? That this would fit beautifully. It's, it's It's more local to San Diego. But a lot of people, when they see that, 
they have an allegiance to the Padres. So much so that anywhere you go in San Diego, anywhere, you will see somebody donning apparel that has this symbol and sign. Just real quick, anybody in church today have uh, San Diego Padres gear on? Anybody? I see a couple of hands back there. And then, if you give, if you give blood today, hold it up high, Pamela. If you give blood today, the blood drive will give you a San Diego Padres t-shirt. By the way, that's the first San Diego Padre uh, gear that I have because I gave blood today. So I, 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 have a, I have San Diego Padre gear. <laughs> and uh, as I look out, I see the Chicago Cubs represented. <laughs> I, I see the Los Angeles Dodgers. Some people bleed blue over there. Anybody from any, any University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors out there? <laughs> so this is, a, this is a good example of a sacrament, right? There's a symbol and a pledge that an oath or an allegiance that is connected to that. I'm going to show you one more, and I want your reaction to it. Oh, I hear some groans out there. I hear some groans out there. This is the team formerly known as <laughs> the San Diego Chargers. Now they're the Los Angeles Chargers. There's a symbol. But is there anyone in here that has pledged an allegiance to the Chargers? Any hands? A few. <laughs> I, I, I put this, I put this uh, as an example because it's a beautiful segue to what I'm about to say next about the contrast between secular sacraments and sacred sacraments. You see, a lot of people pledge themselves and have strong allegiance to secular things. These, these, these symbols and sacraments that are all over our country and our world, where, where we, we cheer and we shout and, and we pay good money to go see these teams play baseball or football. And it's not just sports, it's, it's all throughout our culture and society. But I'm going to ask you a question. What have the San Diego Chargers ever done you, except after you have pledged your great allegiance to them, they pack up and move away, not caring about the allegiance that you had for them. And because of that, you say, I'm not connected to them anymore. I pledge no more allegiance to them. What have they done for me? But in the same breath, what have the Padres done for you? When they're doing well, like last year, the allegiance goes up. This year, not so much. But in reality, what have they done for you? They've asked for your allegiance. And when you go, you may get a t-shirt or a ball cap or a bobblehead doll. But what is that in comparison 
to the broken body and shed blood of our Lord. And so today, when we talk about sacraments, and we especially look at the sacred sacraments that we have in the life of our church, I want you to know that the allegiance that is connected to this is so significant that it goes even beyond what you're probably thinking right now because I'm going to take you somewhere that you may not expect. These symbols of the church, the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord. In fact, I have the elements right here. The bread and the wine are symbolic of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and for me. He gave up his life so that we may live. It's more than any of the sports teams have done. And the flag is a really interesting thing. Because in the flag, there's, there's sacrifice in that symbol as well. But I will stand here as an American, but as a believer of Christ and tell you that the flag pales in comparison to what the sacred sacraments of Jesus has given to me. I love our country. I'm so grateful to live here. But I love the Lord. and so grateful for what He has done for me embedded in the sacred sacramental symbols of communion is the divine grace that God has given to each one of us through Jesus Christ our Lord and through Jesus and Jesus alone do we find our salvation. And this grace that is given to us is not anything that is ever deserved by any one of us. You understand that. It is the whole essence of grace, unmerited favor, undeserved at all. And here's the whopper. Here's the big takeaway that I want to share with you today. Grace, this grace, comes with an allegiance. And that allegiance (laughs) is... God's allegiance to you. It's God's allegiance to you. His divine choice to choose you for His Son to die for. His grace is extended to you and that allegiance is to love you with every ounce of love that He has in His body to drip blood because Through his sacrifice and allegiance to you, he suffered greatly and died on the cross so that you might live. And that's more than any sports team and even my flag, our flag, could ever offer to us. This allegiance that comes from God alone. These sacraments in the church then now call us to remember the allegiance that Jesus has for his people. Wow. And the Apostle Paul, he, he captures this 
this beautiful allegiance to us and the sacrifice that Jesus made to unworthy people. In Ephesians chapter 2, hear the word of the Lord as I share it with you. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, this divine allegiance, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and selected us and seated us with him in the heavenly realms In Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to in us, to us in Christ Jesus. And here's that beautiful passage in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. So no one should boast. That's why these sacraments are so significant. The secular sacraments, they clamor. They clamor and fight for our attention. And they give us little knickknacks to try and win our allegiance to them. But the sacred sacraments... In them is God's allegiance to you. And the gift of his son, Jesus. And that grace that is found in the sacraments is poured out into every life. And we are so undeserving of it. That's what makes this so amazing. Secular sacraments pale in comparison to the sacrament we have in the church. And yet, (laughs) I'm guilty of this. We give so much attention and so much emotion to so much of the secular things that happen in our world. When our response to this ought to be greater than if our favorite team won the championship. Every Sunday when we show up and the sacraments are offered, we should rejoice in our spirits as if we have, we're a part of the team that won the championship. That's the kind of allegiance then is asked of you after the allegiance has been given to you. Oh. So I ask you one more time, what did the Chargers or the Padres ever given to you? Compared to this. I'll add the Chicago Cubs as well. (laughs) As I see your jersey on there. Right? 
everything pales in comparison. And even the patriotism of our flag falls short of the salvation that we all receive from the divine grace of God. And so, church, our call is to take the sacraments of the church humbly, graciously, and seriously. In these elements, God's grace is represented. Or, can I say this, it is re-presented to us every time we come to the table and take it. When it is offered to you, grace is presented to you again and again and again, whether you deserve it or not. And it reminds us of the depths of God's great love for us in Christ Jesus. And I will say this before we take communion. That's why sacraments, these things right here, are for the saved. They are for people who know Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. Because it is when Jesus becomes Savior and Lord that this makes sense. Otherwise, if you don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you think this saves you, you're wrong. This doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. This reminds us that his allegiance is to us and calls for our allegiance to be returned back to him. So, if people who don't know Jesus take communion, all they have is a snack. If they think baptism saves them, they're just taking a bath. But for the believer, it's transforming. We're not the same. And that's why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 11, verse 27 to 29. We take the, this message to heart because grace is embedded into these sacraments and we don't take them lightly. For hear the word of the Lord. So then... Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's how significant this is. So, today, may your full allegiance be given to Christ, who's already pledged his allegiance to you. This is a holy meal for believers. And I want to remind you again and again and again that when this is presented to you, these symbols remind you of God's allegiance to you and for your allegiance to return back to him. His broken body and shed blood should be something that we prize so much more than any collectible of any team that we have. 
So for those who will be helping me to serve communion, I invite you to come forward and take your place. And then, for the rest of the congregation, would you stand to be prepared to receive communion? And those in the center here, I invite you to come down this center aisle, receive the elements of communion, and then return back through these side aisles. For those of you who are on either side, if you would move towards the wall on this side and you on that side and come down those aisles and again return to these aisles here. When you receive the elements, receive them with gratitude and humility. And hold on to the elements till everyone is served. And when everyone is served, we will all eat together at the same time. And for those of you who need it, we do have gluten-free uh, options over here to your my far left. So I invite you to come now with humble and grateful hearts to receive this beautiful meal that Christ has prepared because he is so pledged to you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Take a moment just to remember the goodness and the grace of God in your lives. Let us eat together. And on that same night, he took the cup and he poured it out and he said, this That this is the blood of the new covenant that is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time you do this, remember me. Remember my allegiance to you. How much I loved you and the grace that I have poured into you. This is my great gift to you. When we drink, let's drink graciously, humbly, Thankfully, let's drink together. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Lord God, we come today recognizing the seriousness of, of this event, understanding it more, that they're symbolic of what you did for me and for our people and how much we need it let us not be careless, Lord God. Let us search our hearts with gratitude as we look to you and be reminded of all that you've done. Today, with heavy hearts, Lord God, we pray for those that we love who are not here with us. My heart goes out to John Langstrad, who's in the hospital. God, you know. We pray for your divine healing for him and for Sherry and DJ and their family and Jenny. Would you watch over him and help him? Think of Sherry Crosby who last week her dad passed, Sam Malakot, and I knew Sam. I know their hearts are still grieving. Would you comfort them, Lord God? 
and for the many requests, Lord God, that remain hidden in our hearts, that you already know. Hear our prayers, Lord God, as we call out to you and ask that the God that created this universe, who hears my prayers, Lord God, would work on our behalf for those that we love. We, you would be divinely lifted up through our praises today. That our hearts, Lord God, would be divinely connected with yours today in our service. God, we thank you for your presence with us. We love you, Lord. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to continue my message today because this is a two-parter. You get two parts of a sermon in one day. How do you like that? Sorry. The second part of sacrament, the sacrament that we have in the church, is the sacrament of baptism, where water is the symbol that we use there. And like water, you understand, it is symbolic for cleansing. That's what we find in Jesus when we take the cup and the forgiveness of sins that we own and we are so grateful for. It is represented in the water where we are cleansed in our lives. And the water is also a source of life. Without it, for a few days, we would not survive. And we are so grateful for it. I am grateful for it. And the pledge that Jesus made when he died on the cross was that he would also rise again. And in baptism, that is the symbolic nature of what we do as we, as we baptize people. We immerse them into the water and bring them back up again. And it is in baptism that we find that Jesus had given us, his disciples, a command, not a suggestion, but a command to allow this inward grace to be expressed outwardly as a testimony for all to see. When Jesus shared the Great Commission with his disciples, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. And what God did was he created a ceremony that cements our identification with him for all to see. This is a public act. I said when I first came on board here, that I wanted to go to the beach and do baptisms at the beach because that's a public testimony. Everybody there on the beach will see that baptism. And then some people said, Pastor Gordon, not everybody in the church can go. If you go to the beach, can we do it here? And we have a baptism here. And I said, you're right. Even though I want to do it at the beach, this is where the body of Christ is. And baptisms are for the body of Christ. So today, we get the great privilege to baptize seven, eight people. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> and here's something that you should know. That in this church, 
Our children, they learn about sacraments through caravans. And, and I'm going to do a shout out for caravans, Janet. That if your children are in church, they have the opportunity to learn about what we've just been talking about. So I am going to invite Layla, Kina, if you would come please. And Layla has volunteered to tell us what she has learned about baptism. And Layla, here you go. So, um, um, so towards the end of caravans, we were learning about the Articles of Faith. And Article of Faith 12 is baptism. What we learned was that um, baptism is one way that he or she has become a Christian and will live for God. There are three ways um, to be baptized, but today we are doing immersion, where um, a person will fully go under the water. You can also be sprinkled with water, or he or she could choose to have water be poured over them. Acts 2.38a says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you, Layla, for that great education for the church today. Wasn't that amazing? Let's give her one more round of applause. Do you notice that she did that without notes? You're making me look kind of bad here. (laughs) Well, just as the sacrament of communion is shared with the entire body of Christ that we just did just a moment ago, the sacrament of baptism is the same way. That's why we're not going to the beach. That's why we're here. Because this sacrament is for us all. Regardless of who's getting baptized, if you've been baptized before, it is your reminder of accountability that what the life that you live should reflect the transformation of Jesus in your life. And that is the aspect of our ecclesiology that is so important that the grace of baptism requires the church's participation to be here And for this community to be present to celebrate the new life of the believers. And so for the people that were baptized on Easter Sunday morning, Barbie and Vivi and Nicole, today's baptism is your reminder again of what God has done for you. I'm looking out and I see the others that I have baptized in the church, Melissa, and Paige, and many others. Don't let today be just for these people who get baptized, but take it into your own heart for what Christ has also done for you. And it's important to know that this sacrament is one that Jesus established and instituted, and that's why it is a sacrament. But also, not only that he established and instituted it, Jesus participated in it. He didn't just tell us to do it. And one of the quotes that one day someone would say, remember when Pastor Gordon, he always said this. And I always do. The thing I love so much about Jesus is that he never asks us 
to do anything that he first doesn't do himself. Whether it's to forgive others as he's hanging on the cross, looking down on those who nailed his hands and feet to the cross, his, one of his final prayers was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Or whether it's to wash someone's feet. He doesn't tell his disciples, hey, go wash each other's feet. He washes them first. And he says, now that I, your teacher and Lord, has washed your feet, you go and do likewise. And this command to baptize others, it's because what did Jesus do? He himself was baptized and was our example that we can follow because he did it first. Don't you love that about Jesus? That he is a, he's a savior that is our example. And so not only did Jesus establish it, he participated in it, and then he commanded us to live into it, to baptize others in the Great Commission where I read for you earlier, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And these baptisms will speak of a life that is touched and changed and transformed by what God is doing. And in a moment, we'll have uh, several people share their testimonies. But I am going to begin by sharing the testimony of Trey Scobie, who's here today. Trey and his wife Haley, they have come uh, kind of new to our church for several months. And the first Sunday that he was here, I believe, we had a baptism service where Paige was baptized on that day. And he came to me after the service and he said, Pastor, I'd like to get baptized. And I said, great, let's talk. And, and I got to hear Trey share with me about how he found Mission Church and, um, and why he's here. And he, I asked him to write out a little testimony. So here's Trey's testimony. Before Christ... I felt confused and unsure about most things in life. The decisions that I made, who I hung out with, the way I looked at things, it was all off. But when I came to Christ, I felt like I had someone to guide me in the right direction. And did I always make the right choices from there on? No. But isn't that all of our testimonies? But I still had the path that God was guiding me towards, and it was just up to me, through God's work in my heart and life, to choose to listen to Him and follow Him. Pastor Tim and Shauna Gaines, who were his pastors out in Nashville, where they moved from, recommended Mission Church to me, and my wife and I now attend here. Christ has made a huge impact in my life, whether it be the decisions I make or whether it be the way I think or say. Well, what I say, Jesus has lived, Jesus lives in me and is the example and guide that I strive to follow every day. This has made a huge impact in my life and in my wife and I and the way we approach, the way we live day to day. And in a moment, I am going to baptize Trey Scobie. But I'm also like to invite J.C. Morton. Where are you, J.C.? And I've asked J.C. to come and share her testimony. Many of you know J.C. You probably had her in the nursery. 
Jamie. Come here, JC. And uh, some of you were her Sunday school teachers. And the things that are going on in JC's life is because this church have, has come around her, nourished her faith, and loved her. And she has come to know Jesus in this dynamic and personal way. So I'm going to let JC share her testimony, and I'm going to go and prepare uh, to get uh, prepare to baptize uh, Trey and you, okay? So yeah, uh, <laughs> I am going into eighth grade, and so yeah, I was raised in this church, and been going to this church my whole life, and I was blessed with a family who taught me about Jesus without enforcing it and forcing me into the faith. So I grew my faith personally, and I was able to grow. Um, I was able to grow by myself with their help. And same with this church. Uh, this church has really helped me grow throughout everything, throughout all my. Um, Sunday school teachers and everything. It's really helped me grow. And <laughs> um, starting in sixth grade, I had a weakening in my faith. I, um, I was going to a public school, and I was having trouble making friends. So I changed myself to make friends, and I lied about who I was and what my faith was. And then that summer, um, my parents told me I was going to a, a private school, Christian school, and and at the time I was worried and annoyed at them because I didn't want to change schools and have to make friends all over again. But now I know they that God really placed it on their hearts to change schools, and their reason at the time was because of. Uh, the school wasn't really working academically very well, but I know God did that for my faith at the time. And then in seventh grade, uh, again, I was having trouble making friends, fitting in at a new school, but I never got the opportunity to lie about who I was, which is amazing. <laughs> I never even got a chance to do that. And then seventh grade camp, I was able to find who I truly was and be who I truly was. And that was, a, that was amazing and a blessing. And I made friends throughout after that. I had a lot less trouble making friends and finding where I fit in. And then on November 30th, it was a chapel day. And I remember... The chapel speaker was really focused on helping people find Christ who hadn't known Christ yet very well, and how I I was kind of I was listening, but I also kind of zoned out just because he was saying a lot of the basics and using very general scriptures. But close to the end, he hooked me back by saying something around the lines of how he also wanted to pray for those who wanted to find what they were doing in Christ. And this had always interested me. I had always known the question of, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and this question always frustrated me, because I never knew. And on that day, I just heard 
and felt God tugging on my heart, telling me that he wanted me to speak his word. And so starting that day, I started focusing my life and aiming it on finding areas to start speaking, start getting involved more in that level. And and on that day, I, I, do, I devoted myself to God and to Jesus and how today is just going to be the symbol of that. Like Pastor Gordon was saying, it's not me devoting my life now. I've already done that. But this is just a symbol of that, and I uh, I feel so blessed to be here today, and I'm just super excited. So thank you. My name is uh, Ada Day, and all my life I have believed I was lucky, but it's more than just luck. Uh, more complicated and yet so very simple. I am blessed. The first time I was baptized, I was 12 years old. I hoped it would change me, but I didn't believe. I had suffered through so much already in life, and I could see myself heading down a dark path. I didn't understand the path God had for me. I lost faith in God, and I lost faith in myself. Yet, I never stopped hoping. All my life, I've been surrounded by miracles. I've been told by doctors and EMTs I am lucky to be alive. I was told by a surgeon after over 400 stitches and many hours of surgery I'd be lucky to ever move my left hand again. Yet here I am with full range of motion and very much so still able to play piano. I was told I would never conceive a child or carry it a term and yet I am a mother to the most beautiful six-year-old boy. And it wasn't just me who was lucky. My grandfather, my adopted father, when I was six years old, he was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis. Doctors gave him six weeks to six months, and he lived six more years, full of cross-country, road trips, and many family adventures. My grandmother, my adopted mother, she beat the odds living 10 years with end-stage kidney failure after doctors gave her only two. Eight years, more than expected. Eight years she got to know her great-grandson. I've spent the last year living at the San Diego Rescue Mission, and I've come to appreciate and believe that I am not just lucky. And it was not luck that brought me there. It was God. Before coming to the mission, I spent a couple weeks in rehab, it was there I went to the church to church for the first time in nearly a decade. I cried in that church, and I felt this weight lifted from me. I felt free. In that rehab worked a man who prior worked for the rescue mission. He recommended the program to me, and he assisted me with arranging my intake interview. The first six months in the program, it was just me. My son lived this, with his father. I was not able to speak with him, and before that, I had never gone a day of his life without talking to him. He was always by my side. And for six months, I prayed. This was the biggest struggle of my life, but I was not alone. I did not feel weak, and I was not tired. And on Christmas Day last year, my son was returned to me. And through the grace of God, I am one year and one month sober.
I am back to working after over two years of being unemployed. We are so much more than lucky. We are so very, very blessed. Well, church, what a joy and gift it is to celebrate with those who have been baptized today. What a joy it is to have gathered and taken communion together and to have welcomed those who become members. Um, So many things to celebrate for the life of our church. As we get ready to go out today, I want to offer this prayer and benediction for you from Ephesians. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Amen, church. So as you go out this week, we pray that you would be reminded of how high and deep and wide the love of Christ is for you. We thank you for the time that we've gotten to celebrate today, and we pray over your week ahead. You and me dismissed.